0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Parkinson's disease, it's not a good one. It's a progressive neurologic condition that affects about a million people in the United States. Some pretty famous people have had it. Michael J. Fox has been diagnosed and set out a whole whole foundation for it. But what causes this, and how do you know if you or a loved one are at risk? What should you do if you think you might be developing some of the symptoms, and how should you get it checked out? Well, we're lucky today. We have Dr. Panita P. Bolnurak, who is currently at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. She's here in the studio, and we're going to explore all different aspects of Parkinson's because she's got some specialized training and has come here to share that expertise with us here in the islands. As always, you're a part of this conversation, and you're a part of this group, and if you want to join us, you can at 941-3689, toll free from our neighbor, Islands 877-941-3689. Now, speaking of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, they not only focus on Parkinson's, but are probably one of the premier centers in the state talking about dementia. That's something that, I don't know if you fear it, I've got to tell you, I fear it, and there's not a lot you can do once you're diagnosed with dementia, unless you really had the right testing, you get the right diagnosis, and you make sure that you have all of the doctors that you need really close by. So here to tell us about a new up-and-coming second campus for Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience is their founder and leader de jour, Dr. Corey Liao. Welcome to The Body Show.
1: Hello, Dr. Kozak.
0: I'm happy to have you here. Now, I went to a conference a few years ago that was put on by your group that was really talking about the emerging epidemic of dementia, which has so many different aspects about it. And you have a group over at CASEL that has really been doing excellent work trying to get the correct diagnosis for people and also help them start on various phases of treatment but a lot of your patients come from downtown. So there's something new and exciting happening. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, we're very fortunate and very blessed because uh, uh, quite a bit of our patients come from uh, outside of Windward in the Honolulu area. So uh, we want to reach out to them. So our dedicated multi-disciplinary faculty team uh, will be in downtown Honolulu uh, starting November next month uh, out of St. Francis Liliha campus. Uh, we will have the same number. It will be the same number to call. It will be the same faculty. Uh, we're very dedicated. Uh, we want to take care of our patients.
0: Now, this particular location is going to be ideal because in a couple of years, they're trying to develop what you described earlier as the Kapuna Village. What's going to take place on that campus? What are they working on?
1: Well, we we are just part of a bigger picture. It's a vision to really take care of uh our kupuna in on the state you know all the way from the people who just maybe just needing a little bit of assisted living you know all the way to skilled nursing a memory unit and and also even into palliative hospice care we we believe that you know to really take care of our kupuna we need a, a continuum of care we need a, a people from different specialties, neurologists, geriatrician you know, so we, we, we really believe in that concept, and we're so lucky to be invited to be part of this by the St. Francis Healthcare System.
0: Now, if anybody is concerned that they may have more than just a little bit of forgetfulness, and they're worried, and they want to find out, hey, do I have a problem? Do I have dementia? Do I not there's some excellent testing that can be done to establish if they have a memory problem and if they have anything to be concerned about how would they get to do that testing how can people find your services where where can they go to get more information because i got to tell you i have people ask me all the time is it just i forgot where i put my keys should i be worried i'm i'm forgetting the words and the names of things and i swear i know it but it just slips out of my mind we're all worried about this dr leo <laughs> How can you reassure us?
1: Well, fortunately, Doctor Kozak, most little memory problems are just uh, 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 just nuances. They're not big problem. Uh, you know, if there's concern, uh, I'll. I'll guardians uh, should really see their primary care doctors. And, and, and referral, if there's further concern, the referral can be made to a neuroscience center or dementia center like ours where we have a team of specialists specifically to address uh, further testing. We have neuropsychologists to do the memory test. We have uh, a radiologist that looks at the MRI. Uh, we have neurologists that specializes in uh, dementia. We also have geriatrician that specializes in different aspects of dementia. So uh, we're very fortunate. But fortunately, most memory problems are, are just uh, are not serious problems.
0: Does it ever hurt to just get it checked out?
1: Well, I, I think uh, the, the, the the important thing to remember is that, uh, you know, we, we tend to forget uh, at times where we put our keys, uh, where we left our glasses, where we left our wallet. But it is different when you forget how to drive home. You know, so there is a big difference between just occasionally forgetful small things or or more so like a dementia forgetfulness, you know, so uh encourage our audience to look into the Alzheimer's Association website the ten things to remember, you know ten things to look out for early signs of dementia. You know, uh, we work very closely with them. We work very closely with the State uh, Aging Department, uh, uh, University of Hawaii, and uh, we're very fortunate. We have a very, very uh, dementia-conscious, uh, uh, dementia-capable workforce in Hawaii uh, to to take care of our kupunas.
0: Well, and I like the way you you put it. You put dementia capable. What people are still able to do even if they're starting to express some signs of memory loss is that it doesn't mean that you can't do anything. There's still a lot that you can do to continue to be a functional member of society. I think in addition, getting the right diagnosis, that's something that you guys have really focused on a lot in some of the lectures and community outreaches. Make sure you have the right diagnosis. Because don't assume not all dementia is going to be Alzheimer's. And that's something that you guys have really focused on and seen some wonderful experiences where you found a different source of the problem and treated people differently than they were being treated and they actually got better. So if there's any any concern, people can always head head to your website. And that also has links to other services and also links to other organizations. How could they find you guys?
1: Well, absolutely. We, they can find us uh, on our website, www.hawaiineuroscience.com, or just call our number, area code 808-261-4476. And we're so happy and so fortunate to help them.
0: In neighbor islands, if people are flying over to Oahu and they want to be checked out, they could come and get all of these appointments done pretty quickly in a day or two to make sure that was, everything was done expeditiously?
1: Absolutely. We, we, we take care of about 5% of our patients are from the outer islands and we try to expedite things. You know, you know, there's a saying that Mayo Clinic takes care of their patients in six business days from initially seeing the patients to getting an MRI and everything else done. You know, so we want to beat that you know, when patients come to us, we want to get everything else done. Why should they wait a long time? You know, we want to bring the doctors to them. We want to bring the best tests to them. So we are really striving to provide the best care that we know possible to bring clinical research, to bring clinical trials uh, to the island. So we are very fortunate. We're very excited and look forward to uh, taking care of our patients.
0: Fantastic. I'm happy to hear you're expanding to the downtown area. So thanks for sharing that. Dr. Corey Liao is the founder and really the the man who had the vision, who has really helped to bring Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience to fruition. And I'm just happy to know that we will still have this resource. And in fact, we'll have it in even more locations than we used to. So now let's kind of shift gears a little bit, but not completely, because Dr. Pineda, People Norak is here in the studio, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Parkinson's. Now, you've come to Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and you have some expertise that is unique that we may not have exposure to yet here in the islands because you've done some training in specifically Parkinson's. Tell me a little bit about what your focus is, and how did you get
2: to Parkinson's as the area of your interest? Yes, thank you, uh, Dr. Kose for having me here. Welcome uh, to the show. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, so um, at first, um, I, see, I saw many patients, um, for example, when I was in the medical school or in the residency program, and I, I saw them that they, don't, they didn't have any weakness, but they, yet yeah, they cannot walk. They couldn't walk. So what was that? And that was really trigger for me to understanding more about these movement disorders or Parkinson's disease where the, actually they, they had a very good strength, uh, muscle strength, are perfect, but they cannot walk or difficulty walking. So I feel that uh, this is something that is a, a, a need for a physician, a neurologist to know um, and then to help them walk again. And it's very easy. And if we can detect that this person has Parkinson's, we give the medicines and they can walk again.
0: So when you started off, now you did neurology residency, and you finished up at Weill Cornell Medical Center in, uh, in New York, and then you did some additional training and worked on movement disorders. So what you were noticing when you were doing neurology is that a lot of times people didn't have a muscle weakness, but they
2: just couldn't coordinate their walking. That's right. Or cannot move or have some abnormal movement that they cannot control. And so that sort of... Stimulated
0: your interest in That's Parkinson's. That's right, exactly. Now you've done some unique fellowships. Tell me a little bit about those.
2: Um, the fellowship I did was in uh, at Columbia, uh, Presbyterian Hospital at Columbia University in New York, Manhattan. And um, this is a very unique um, fellowship uh, program where I uh, had a, a great opportunity to learn from the best um, in the field. And I saw many, many patients uh, with uh, varieties of Parkinson's disease and uh, movement disorders uh, and many of the uh, abnormal gait, uh, difficulty walking. And I, I learned from the best, actually. Uh, and uh, I had opportunity to see var- so many things. And um, I think um, this is one uh, great opportunity that I, I, I learned a lot from this.
0: Now, you mentioned something about a variety of people or different types of Parkinson's. We talk about dementia, as we did earlier with Dr. Liao, and, you know, not everybody has Alzheimer's. There's different types of dementia. There's there's dementia related to strokes. There's dementia related to extra pressure in your brain. There's different types of Parkinson's then. So not all, not everyone who has Parkinson's will have the same exact symptoms and the same exact presentation. Is that right?
2: Yes. Uh, when you use the term Parkinson's, actually, um when someone coming in uh, and with the uh, little tremor at rest, when they're not using the hands and they have a tremor, and they have a slowness of movement, some stiffness in the muscles, difficulty walking, small steps, shuffling, difficulty initiate movement, um, we kind of put in a big umbrella called Parkinsonism or Parkinsonian features. Um, and uh, those people can have a true Parkinson's disease or we call idiopathic. Parkinson's disease and that's the the Parkinson disease we're talking about. and then other many many people don't have a Parkinson disease but they have other Parkinsonism or Parkinsonian uh, features which can uh, cause by a stroke or could be from the uh, toxicity from uh, some medications uh, side effects, especially especially the medicine that uh, help us from uh, nausea. Nausea medications can do that, or uh, some medicine for psychiatric disorder can do that as well. And uh, then there are many other neurodegenerative diseases that have the presentation similar to Parkinson's disease but have some other things on top of everything else. So if you were to give the treatment for
0: Parkinson's to someone who has one of those other diseases, they probably wouldn't show the same level of improvement.
2: Yes. So um, if if the patient has Parkinson, a true Parkinson's disease, uh, when we give the medicine for Parkinson, they will have a beautiful uh, response. They'll get better. Right. But in people who have something else that is not a Parkinson's disease, sometimes I still use some medicines uh, to help as well. And they may show some improvement, but not to the same degree. However, if the if the parkinsonian symptoms coming from the side effects of medicines instead of giving a medicine for parkinsons, then we just have to stop or wean off or switch the you got to take the other else. ones away, sure, right.
0: absolutely. Okay. Muhammad Ali, for example, does he have does he have parkinsons or
2: parkinsonism? Parkinsonianism. I can't say it very well. Yeah. Um um, because I don't know him personally, sure sure. Um, he has the, uh, definitely uh, symptoms of Parkinsonian, but given the history of the uh, uh, b- trauma, head trauma from the boxing um, in a career for such a long time, um, this may be a red flag that is not a, a true Parkinson's disease, and it may be just the um, a multiple uh, brain injury and causing this problem. Well,
0: I think we're now seeing sort of they're doing investigations even with the NFL trying to find out, okay, the repetitive brain trauma, Mm -hmm. repetitive concussions, they're looking at various things that that's causing, Mm -hmm. and some of the features of Parkinsonism is actually similar to what people with this repetitive head trauma might be experiencing. So let's talk for a moment about idiopathic Parkinson's. Okay. Very specific, not the symptoms that are like it, but the actual Parkinson disorder. It's all based around dopamine. What is the relationship between dopamine and what's happening in the brain with the movements?
2: Okay, so uh, first of all, dopamine is just one of many uh, chemical substances in the brain we call neurotransmitters. It's like a messengers. Because in the brain, uh, there are so many cells uh, that work in a different way. And in order for us to be able to move, and walk. Um, there, there are many cells working together as a network. It's not just one cell. So there are many uh, cells working in a network. And in order for the cells to communicate to each other, they use the messenger, or what we call neurotransmitter. And the dopamine is the one that uh, tend to be the um, affected by the Parkinson disease patients. And uh, so, if if the brain cell that produced dopamine is dying out become less and less uh, dopamine cells, then dopamine will become lower and lower in the system. When it's lower, then they don't have a way to communicate with them, the second cells that uh, the dopamine cell is supposed to talk to. And that can disrupt the whole network and causing the ability to move to become slower, muscle become rigid. Some people have shaking in the hands or legs, and then some people can have uh, difficulty walking and poor balance.
0: Well, I think one of the initial descriptions of Parkinson's was by a Dr. Parkinson, and he said he called it the shaking policy, policy, something where somebody has this shake. Some people call it a pill-rolling tremor. That's right. But this uncontrollable movement. Now, that's separate from people who have an essential tremor, where maybe their that's arm shakes or their head moves. So not all tremors equal Parkinson's. That's something correct. I definitely want to make clear, because I have a lot of people who ask me that. Um But on the other hand, this particular type of tremor, is it when you give people treatment for the Parkinson's, is it predominantly dopamine
2: that you're giving them? Yes. uh, When we treat the patient with Parkinson's, uh, we work around the dopamine system. Um, So one way of doing it is by giving the supplement of dopamine. So we can give a medicine that after you take it, it will go to the brain and turn into the dopamine. So if you don't make enough, now you have some. Right. And then we have other options too. For example, we can give a medicine that works at the receptor, the dopamine receptor. So it, by itself, it, it is not a dopamine, but it can work the similar way uh, to the dopamine itself. Or we can even give a medicines that block the enzyme that uh, get rid of dopamine so that our own dopamine stay longer. So there's a couple of different options. That's right.
0: And there are some other neurotransmitters that are involved. People have often heard about epinephrine or serotonin, some of these other neurotransmitters that kind of have a similar feature with treatment options, either treat the enzyme that breaks it down or treat the receptor that it's supposed to stimulate. So it sounds like there's certainly some ways to try and get around that. That's right. When we come back after a quick break, I want to talk a little bit about what are the classic features of someone with Parkinson's and... How would you know if a loved one might be experiencing this without you seeing the tremor or noticing the shuffling gait or some of those other things that people may not be as familiar with? I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're here listening to The Body Show. And we've got in the studio Dr. Panita P. Peeble Norak, who is originally from Thailand, but has done some excellent work at Cornell and Columbia on movement disorders and currently works at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about those signs of Parkinson's that people need to be concerned about or be aware of. And then we'll talk about what you can do if somebody you love has that particular problem and how can we support them. You can join our conversation at 941-3689. Toll Free Neighbor Islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
1: On the next humankind. We are
0: using a lot of oil. We are uh, emitting a lot of global warming pollution, carbon dioxide pollution of the atmosphere. Our cars and light trucks alone are 20 percent of U.S. carbon dioxide pollution, which is causing global warming.
1: The environmental footprint of private automobiles compared with public transportation. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Passengers on Humankind. This evening at 6.30, right after Marketplace.
3: In New Letters on the Air, Shanat Carraza discusses the exploration of rhythm, Mexican culture, and linguistics in her work, as well as her drive to write. Poetry is as necessary as air to me. I have to write it. Shanat Carraza, whose poetry and fiction placed in the International Latino Book Awards, she reads from Concurro and Syllables of Wind on New Letters on the Air.
1: Tuesday evening at 6.30, following Marketplace.
3: Welcome back.
0: I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio, and I'm here with Dr. Panita Peeble-Norak from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. She's a neurologist who specializes in Parkinson's, and we're talking today about what are the signs and symptoms of Parkinson's, and how could you know if a loved one might be experiencing this, and what should you do about it? You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689, Before the break, we were talking a little bit about what is the actual cause of Parkinson's? What is this dopamine connection? And we reviewed that a little bit. Now, I want to mention briefly, Panita, if you were to look at somebody who has Parkinson's, how would you describe them? What are some of the features that even a non-medical person might notice about what's going on with them that, you could you could notice in a loved one, for example, if you're not quite sure what's going on with them. What's that classic presentation
2: okay. look like? Yeah. So let's start on the face. Um, so the facial expression can become less and less. It looks like a that person wearing a mask. When it's very mild, maybe you just notice that they don't blink that often. How about smile or other facial yeah, expressions? Less uh, smile. And actually some, some, someone thought that um, the loved one became depressed, but actually... That person was not depressed at all. It's just that the face didn't move. So it looked like as if they were depressed, but actually it's not. Okay, so
0: facial features. What other sort of symptoms might someone notice?
2: Uh, Speech, uh, voice, and the tone of voice become lower or softer. Um, And when you see them write something or sign something, the handwriting becomes smaller and smaller. Okay, now I'm worried because my handwriting's gotten really horrible, and it's really
0: small, but... I think that's just my job. Okay, so you notice in their handwriting
2: it gets... Yeah, actually, sometimes they start with the big one, and then it becomes tapering down. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What about how they walk or yeah. how they move? And when uh, they move, um, all the movement becomes slower, um, uh, like a slow motion. And when they are uh, st- try to stand up from the chair, uh, it may be very difficult for them to arise uh, without... Pushing or falling backwards and have to try it again and again. Um, when they walk, um, the step becomes shorter, and a shuffle, more shuffling. And that, but shuffling will be more like a little bit more advanced already, or even had a freezing of gait. Have you heard of this term, freezing of gait? The feet glue. You just can't go. Yeah, the the feet glue to the ground and cannot make a step. And especially, it happened when they first start to walk or when they turn. But once they walk or finish the turning, they can walk again. So it sort of stops them in their tracks, literally. That's right. Okay. And then, um, actually, they started when they start to walk. But in the middle, they tend, have no, uh, tend to uh, have no problem. But when we, they turn or change the directions, that's when that's it happens. That's when you notice. Yeah, and a stoop posture, that's another thing. Become hunched over. Body. Kind of
0: leaning forward a little bit. That's right. And a okay. tremor,
2: as everyone knows about a uh, tremor. Sure, you might.
0: Now, do you have to have a tremor? Not, or could not you have the other symptoms
2: and not tremor? That's correct. That It doesn't need to have a tremor to be uh, Parkinson's disease. And the tremor, usually for Parkinson's, only uh, to, to separate between the uh, Parkinson's tremor and other tremor, is that with a Parkinson's tremor, the tremor will happen when that particular part of the body is at rest, not using. So if you're sitting watching TV, then you will see the, the shaking right then. But when, they, when you lift up the, uh, the hands, then the shaking stops. So as soon as they do something, right, the shaking stops. Right. Whereas the other types of
0: tremors, as soon as you do something, that's when it starts. That's right. right. So the tremor that people get where they can't get their spoon to their mouth, that's just not, not their very, food. Right. That's
2: usually not the Parkinson's tremor. Right. However, it doesn't mean that people with Parkinson's uh, disease cannot have action tremor. They can have both. That's both right. Talk about that's bad right. Luck. Okay. And then when when they're walking, uh, the shaking can uh, reappear when they're walking, the hands hanging with the shaking. Makes life very difficult.
0: All right. We've got a caller on the line. We have Shelly calling in from Hawaii Kai. Shelly, welcome to The Body Show.
4: Hi. I'm so glad that you're having this program because um, one of my patient's husbands uh, had a father that died of Lewy by disease, and I know that that's a very hard diagnosis because it definitely resembles Parkinsonian symptoms. And I was wondering, his father died of it, I was wondering if there's a strong hereditary component to Lewy body disease.
0: It's a great question because a lot of times, you know, Lewy body disease is sometimes mistaken for a lot of other diagnoses because it's not as common as some of the other illnesses that it's compared to, and yet the treatment could be different. So I'm curious, let's go through uh, just briefly, Dr. Panita, what is Lewy body disease, and then maybe is it hereditary?
2: Yeah, um... Diffuse Lewy body disease um, can present very similar to Parkinson's disease, can have uh, actual resting tremor, look exactly like Parkinson's, but also tend to have a cognitive impairment. And a cognitive impairment um, can come with the hallucinations or delusion and the fluctuation. So almost like a dementia situation Yeah, it's, it's like a combo between Alzheimer and Parkinson's disease. Talk
0: about bad luck. Yeah. I mean, really? So you get a
2: little bit of both. Right. And usually the way that I um, suggest that this patient might have the Parkinson's rather uh, diffuse Lewy body uh, rather than the mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease is that if the cognitive memory and psychosis started early or mm-hmm. even before the physical problem, uh, before mm-hmm. the stiffness, be- before the walking problem, I would think that this, this patient may have a, diff, a diffused Lewy body disease or okay. someone who um, take the medicine for Parkinson's, even a small dose, and it's induced the um, hallucinations or delusion, make them more confused, even with a very small dose, that's also another red flag uh, to say that this person might have the diffused Lewy body. Is it genetic? No, actually it's not genetic. Uh, usually a diffused Lewy body is just sporadic. It just happens.
0: It's bad luck.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: I actually had a relative
4: with it who was a physician at Columbia Presbyterian, and he had Louis body disease. And so, obviously, I'm very interested. And then I had this patient that um, said her husband might have it. So, are you taking referrals?
2: Oh, yes, definitely.
4: Okay, great. I really appreciate all the information. It's wonderful.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, you have our uh, contact number. Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, and we're going to have yes. Thank you. Thank
0: you. All right. Thanks for calling us, Shelley. And I wish you luck. Certainly, it sounds like, you know, the first time I heard about diffuse Lewy body disease was in somebody who had been misdiagnosed as Alzheimer's and was treated for that. And then they found out later that they actually had a different problem. And it went along with the movement like you're talking about. But the, the mental cognition issues started first. So it's it's a more difficult diagnosis to make than as easy as you just made it sound. I'm thinking only a neurologist with advanced training would make it sound so simple. But uh, good that we're going to have that resource for people who are concerned about that. So thanks for calling us, Shelley. And I do hope that anyone else who's concerned about this uh, less common but increasingly more recognized uh, problem with the diffuse Lewy body disease learns something from that discussion we just had. We've got another caller on the line. We have Kalika from Kauai. Kalika, welcome to The Body Show.
5: Aloha, doctors. Aloha. Thank you for the show.
0: Thanks for listening. What can we do for you?
5: Yeah, the question is, uh, if one uh, has a tendency to be insulin resistant, diabetes 2, uh, is one more predisposed to these degenerative diseases?
0: Good question, because we're seeing a lot more people being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, that diabetes that is associated with the insulin resistance and can cause other sort of medical concerns as well. So that's a really good question. If you have diabetes, are you more likely to get a neurologic problem like Parkinson's or Lewy body or something along those lines?
2: Actually, uh, a person who has uh, diabetes uh, will uh, increase the risk of vascular uh, disease and can cause a stroke. And so actually, the, uh, the diabetes itself is not linked to the diffuse Lewy body or Parkinson's disease, but it can in, induce the um, a vascular problem. It can cause the uh, small infarcts or strokes, little strokes that can accumulate over time that will not present anything as like a typical stroke. Like on a, on a sudden, you have weakness or slurred speech. But just by a little small area of circulations, poor circulations, accumulative over time, it can induce dementia. It can induce Parkinsonian symptoms. That is not a Parkinson's. And uh, so if some someone has those, it can have a combination of dementia and Parkinsonian. So it will look like a diffuse Louis too, but actually it's not.
0: So the best thing to do is probably control the sugars. That's right, definitely.
5: Okay. And uh, a follow-up possibly. Uh, sure. Is taking vitamin E helpful?
0: Good question. <laughs> there have been a lot of thoughts on what helps with memory, ginkgo biloba, and should people take vitamin E and fish oil? For an average healthy person who is concerned about memory loss and neurologic conditions, vitamin E, in the world of neurology, yay or nay? It's a yes. Okay. It's a yay.
5: How about, how about in terms of the negative, uh, is iron, uh, excess iron, a risk factor for these uh, diseases?
0: Excess iron. That's interesting. I haven't associated no. that with any sort of. I mean, I think excess iron to the point of hemochromatosis, which is a diagnosis, which can also be associated with its own issues regarding brain function. Okay, but associated specifically with um, Parkinson's or diffuse Lewy body, I
2: don't think no, so. I've Dr. Pineda. No, no? Um, there's no link or relationship no. with no. The Parkinson's.
5: I, I was thinking more in the in the context of uh, you know in general oxidative stress. Iron, iron being a risk, a contributing risk factor in that whole equation.
0: Well, and we're still doing a lot of research on what is the effect of oxidative stress on the body, and what are the ways to temper that. Is is taking antioxidants helpful? Are they actually going to help to decrease free radicals in the bloodstream? And I think we're sort of in still in the biochemistry phase of that. We're not yet in the point where. Clinical trials are proving that there's a substance that can be taken to have some long-term effect or benefit yet. But I do think that over time, we're going to wind up having a little bit more information about that. And hopefully, we'll be able to, at some point, instead of saying, when you're sick, here's a medicine to take, we'll be able to say, hey, before you get sick, here are the things that you need. Yeah. I think the standard vitamin that we often recommend that people take probably could use a little bit of an overhaul. and um Maybe we'll find a little bit more of a benefit to some of these antioxidant compounds as time goes on. I'm hoping that we do. But great questions, uh, Kalika. I really appreciate it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Panita P. Bolnorak, and she is here from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. We're talking about Parkinson's and what that particular disease entails and what do you do if you think you might have it or a relative might. You can join us at nine four one three six eight nine. Toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Pineda, we were talking about the symptoms someone might express, the, the masked face where they don't have a lot of facial expression, the change in their ability to walk, particularly initiating their steps, how sometimes it's a little slow, maybe a little bit of a stooped posture, maybe a little bit of a shake. There's different degrees of Parkinson's. You can have mild, moderate, and even get too advanced. Do all cases of mild eventually progress? Is there a way to, to stop it in its beginning phases so that it doesn't get any worse?
2: Unfortunately, uh, Parkinson's disease is a, a slowly progressive disorder. Um, at this point, although uh, neuroscientists try to find um, the cure or the way to postpone the progression or even take it back, we don't have, we're not going there yet. So um, it continues to progress, but slowly. We talk about many years, decades. Um, so it's not something like a stroke or cancer um, that can uh, uh, become uh, more severe in a short period of time. Now, in terms of uh, is there anything we can do in the meantime? Um, although we don't have a proven uh, method or techniques to slow down the progression, we found that by being active, being active uh, and uh, exercise regularly, um, that can slow down the progressions, uh, at least in the uh, mice model. So if you just keep up with your activity, even if you're diagnosed, this can actually help you. Definitely. We prefer that our patients uh, stay active and do everything they can do safely. And um, uh, we found that in the patients who um, got diagnosed and then just stay home and uh, do nothing, those people tend to progress faster. So really keeping active, keeping yourself going, that's that's really part
0: of the key. Exercise is good. Exercise is good for so many things. It's like... I just feel like we should just stop right now and go out there and exercise. <laughs> it really does make, make a huge difference as far as, uh, as far as how people do in the future. We've got another caller. We've got Joe from Honolulu. Joe, welcome to The Body Show.
6: Hi, hey, Dr. Kozak. Uh, you were talking earlier about early signs of, of Parkinson's, and uh, recently I heard that one of the very early signs is the inability to get chicken skin. Uh, can you confirm or deny that, or is it, uh, is it somebody pulling my leg?
0: That's a real interesting question. Dr. Panita, you're shaking your head like you've heard this. Um, you I've, know what chicken skin is. Yes, I know. Okay, all right, because I know. <laughs> I'm about uh, to I have mean, it now, too. You're about to have it now. Okay, so I'll keep an eye out, Joe. I'll keep an eye looking at it for her. Um, but all right, so that's that's an interesting thing. Does that inability to get that sort of chickeny skin, they call it this very interesting name in medicine, um, but anyway, is, that, is is that associated with Parkinson's?
2: That's a very good question. Um, so first of all, I just want to let you know that uh, when we talk about Parkinson's, people tend to think about motor or physical symptoms all the time, shaking, stiffness, slowness of movement, walking problem. But actually, um, people suffer from non-motor symptoms even more. When I said non-motor, it means anything that in, not involved the uh, physical um, ability. Uh, for example, um, sense of smell. Actually, that it can be the early signs as well that we lose oh, sense I of smell. I heard that recently. If you yeah. lose
0: your smell, it could be a sign of dementia or Parkinson's. Yeah. I've been sniffing stuff <laughs> ever since. Like, can I smell it? Mm-hmm. Am I congested? Is it allergies? I have to smell this. That's scary. You lose your sense of smell.
2: Yes, and then uh, for example, and then other things will be um, excessive sweating. That can be uh, symptoms of Parkinson's as well. Constipation. Autonomic uh, dis- disorders, for example, uh, get lightheaded easily um, or constipations or bloating easily. But, like, you've
0: just described half of my patients. So, like, how would somebody who's out there know, like, you mentioned that there are some changes in their motor function. There must be some way for them to say, okay, it seems like it's these three or these four, then it could be concerning. I mean, because a lot of people, when they get older, let's face it, we don't walk as fast as we used to. Our bowels don't move as fast as they used to. So, you know, they can get constipated and bloated and they can kind of, you know, it's been really hot. I can picture someone getting sweaty. I mean, I think I'm going to have 30 phone calls in my office tomorrow <laughs> with people saying, I heard you say I have Parkinson's and I can't smell things. And I mean, so so, are there any key features? Is is the lack of the ability to to get chicken skin is the is it just the smell is it a combination or like five or more symptoms or is it that subtle
2: yes um i don't first of all i don't want anyone to get worried so much about well, if they had a worry. constipation <laughs> or excessive sweating so uh, this is just uh, one of the many signs and it's so non specific you cannot say that okay you have a constipation and you have parkinsons or or you uh, lose a, uh, the chicken skin and you had a parkinsons uh, you have to get um, you have to compare to other people around you too if it's something that uh, for example other people have it too at the same time there's the hot weather and you you had a lot of sweating then it picture doesn't count that joe's going to be like okay, have you been sweating recently?
0: Because I've been sweating. (laughs) You know, he's going to ask somebody else, are you sweating? I've been sweating. You know, you have a whole, maybe that's why people when they're older tend to get together and all talk about their symptoms because they want to see if they're normal, see if everybody else has that. So if somebody had some of these symptoms, this complex of symptoms, is there any diagnostic test that you can do that would help them to know if they have it or not? If they have just these subtle symptoms, let's say Joe loses the sense of smell, can't get chicken skin, and he's sweating like a pig. How could you figure out if that's something serious or not? So usually I have to combine
2: it with the motor symptoms.
0: So you would do an exam to see if there's that's any right. motor symptoms, that's some right. of those things
2: we talked about. Right. Some we haven't, like joints that get really stiff. Stiff and or facial expression. Okay. And especially facial expression because you know uh, you may not notice it because these things change slowly. And your family member will not notice that, too. Uh, your wife, your spouse will not notice that because it's so gradual. And um, so sometimes you may have to ask your uh, your friends who know you very well but don't see you that often. Sure. That can help.
0: All right. I think I know Joe. So when he calls me and says, Dr. Kozak, do I have any problems? I'm going to ask him to make some faces. You know, I mean, see if he's got expression or something. And you're right, because people may not be able to detect that on their own. And it would make it a little bit harder for them to know. Right. But other people, look at some old photos. If you look totally different, hey, there might be a problem. So... Now everybody's going to go reaching into their photo albums, check some stuff out. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Panita Peeble-Norak from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. We're talking about Parkinson's. When we come back, we've got some callers on the line, and we're going to talk some more about some of these subtler symptoms and what to do if you get a diagnosis. What does this mean for you? And where can you go for some help? We're going to be right back. Stay with us.
1: Imagine this, a social network that doesn't use your data to make money. Not to name names here, but they said let's build something that's better than Facebook or an alternative to Facebook. I'm Kai Rizdahl. That story, the rest of today's business news, and the numbers from Wall Street as well. Next time on Marketplace from APN. This evening at 6, following The Body Show.
3: Appalachia is often depicted as an idyllic rural life, but more and more it's a key setting in horror films. The rural coded as the monster. So a lot of bad humans, humanoid cannibals included, and even some zombies and witches. Appalachia in the movies. I'm Sarah McConnell. Join me for With Good Reason, Thursdays at 630 on Hawaii Public Radio.
0: Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Panina P. Bolnorak from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And we're talking today about Parkinson's. And we've got a few callers on the line. But if you'd like to ask a question, you can still join us at 941-3689. Toll free from our neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We've got Carla on the line from Kona. Carla, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. What can we do for you? I
4: have a question. My grandmother died in the 70s, and she had some kind of neurological disorder, but her and her sisters and just one of her sister's daughters, they all got lost weight really quickly, and they seemed to develop a neurological problem, and they died fast. And um, I've been looking it up uh, on the Internet, um, some of the symptoms that they had. And is Huntingtons a part of the Parkinson family and is ALS part of the Parkinson? They're neurological disorders I know, but are they do you consider them part of the Parkinson Parkinsonian disorders?
0: It's a great question, Carla. Are Huntingtons and ALS at all related to Parkinson's? So I'm assuming that you've found out or maybe you just suspect that these family members have had Huntington's or ALS. Um, So
4: they called it getting old and dying.
0: Well, (laughs) and that still happens too. But it certainly sounds like that. Hopefully, uh, that I mean,
4: you know, real fast.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the scary part is that you know if you talk about it occurring back in the seventies, it's hard to know nowadays with our diagnostic techniques and capabilities what they might have had. But I'm curious just to know Parkinson's or parkinsonism, any relationship, Doctor Panita to ALS or Huntington's or kind of cuz I know Huntington's you can have involuntary movements That's right. but they tend not to be shaking movements.
2: Yes um and this no link exactly no link. But um, people with uh, Huntington disease or ALS um, has the neurodegenerative disease as well, but it's just a different kind. Okay. And uh, people with Huntington disease uh, can have a symptoms exactly like Parkinson's too, because it involves the part of the brain called basal ganglia, which is part of the network of the dopamine system. So they can have abnormal movement, uh, like a writhing movement and dancing movement that they cannot control, or they can have a slowness and slow walking like Parkinson's too. Um, so, um, but this one would be more like genetic. So we, you will see a lot of uh, family member who has um, similar uh, symptoms, and in addition, they can have a psychiatric problem uh, alone too. Depends on the individual.
0: So there's a couple of different things that could happen. That's they right. call it Huntington's chorea. I almost think of it as a little bit more of a graceful dancing movement as opposed to a shaking movement. Right. Although people who have it could clearly argue with me and. Now you know how I can't dance because I'm thinking it's like Korea. Um, But certainly it doesn't sound like there's any connection directly. Carla, there's just a peripheral. It's a neurologic degenerative disease, but different area of the brain and probably associated with some other symptoms. So I hope that answers your question, and I hope that you and your family don't have to suffer any further with any of those illnesses. So thanks for calling us today. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Tommy calling in from Hawaii Kai. Tommy, welcome to The Body Show.
6: Thank you for taking my call.
0: Thanks for being so patient. What can we do for you?
6: Well, I have a seven-year diagnosis of Parkinson's, and I'm wondering if there's an ideal diet that could be included in your lifestyle that would reduce your symptoms. That's one question. I have a second question after you do that one.
0: Okay, so the first thing, you have a seven-year diagnosis correct okay gotcha i heard it and what was the second half of that because we'll just uh we'll just i'm i'm interested i want to know all of it
6: is there an ideal diet that will reduce your symptoms
0: diet and what was your next question
6: my next question is is, is there any any research on stem cell replacement that it will replace the cells in the stigma negra, which is the area where dopamine is produced in the brain
0: you got it. Absolutely. Substantia Nigra, it is. Um, interesting question. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious, Dr. Pibol-Nurek, diet. If you've had Parkinson's for seven years, you know, sometimes they say if you have iron deficiency, eat food with a lot of iron. I don't know of any food with dopamine. So is there any diet that can actually help you with antioxidants? You mentioned, we talked
2: a little bit about vitamin E. Any foods that can help people who have the diagnosis? um th- there are some studies showing that Mediterranean diet may help with the um, uh, Parkinson's. However, there is no specific recommendation on what kind and how much you have to take. Um, this is just by the studies that show. Um, that Mediterranean diet, which is kind of based more on like
0: olive oil, olive oil. nuts and not That's a whole not lot legume. of meat and a lot of beans legume, and okay. yes. Just go to them. I mean, I just feel like Mediterranean. I just should go there uh-uh. and eat their food. They tend to
2: live longer. But okay, Mediterranean diet. Some studies suggest it. Okay. Yeah, and um and there um you mentioned about the medis- um uh, the food or um something that have a dopamine in it. Um there are some, for example, fava bean has a uh, dopamine in it. Uh, and um, another one, uh, beans. ok. Yes, and then another one is um, uh, I forgot exactly the name. The macuna, interesting, has uh, dopamine in it. But the thing is that that is not to uh, to slow progression or anything. It's basically it's like uh, you are taking medicines. And the problem is that in this uh, particular type of uh, bean or uh, macuna, um, we don't know exactly how how much dopamine in there, and then you cannot control, and uh, maybe it's too little. Uh, to do anything, or maybe if you eat, uh, take the extract, then it may be too much, and you cannot control. So it will be similar to the uh, dopamine supplement. You might anyway. also just take the medicine. That's, that's right. We know exactly and
0: dose, dose specific. Right. Okay. What about stem cell? That is a great question. Stem cell research. I think that um, if you can put in cells that produce dopamine, particularly cells that can can affect that substantia nigra, that area of the brain. Any research looking in that um, direction?
2: There are many research uh, looking at that, but uh, right now we cannot use it uh, for the treatment yet because still a lot to learn. So right now we should not go there. We should wait until um, the scientists figure it out um, and doing the clinical trial to know for sure. Um, and um, many many years ago, I'm. Uh, they um the fetal stem cell transplant, and um, the problem is that once you put the stem cell in there, they can produce dopamine. But then the, the problem is that um, the connections may not be the same as the normal connections. It's just basically just put dopamine. So it's like a, you take the pills with the dopamine, but instead of taking a pill, there's the um, the, the cells cell there right? that uh, produce the dopamine. The problem of, of one of the main problem is that number one we cannot control. So some people, um, these cells produce too much dopamine. And you can't and shut them off when they're in there. We cannot scoop it okay. out. And it's not like a medicine that we can reduce a dose. Mm-hmm. This one is already in, implanted in your brain. And it can cause what we call dyskinesia. Uh, and actually, there is a term for that, runaway dyskinesia, because it's too much. Just and just actually, run away with it. Yeah, actually, I'm not so sure who's running away. Maybe the doctor is running away <laughs> <laughs>
0: because they know they did something bad. Okay,
2: gotcha. Well, and it looks like we do have to
0: really, really flush that one out. Do some scientific yeah. studies and really do a bit more
2: investigation. Right. First. And and then more than that, um, because nowadays actually it's not nowadays anymore. But we have been knowing that dopamine is just one system that in um, in the Parkinson. There are so many systems in the brain, in the brain stem, um, uh, that In uh, linked to the uh, cause of the Parkinson. So, Mm. if we fix at just the stem cell at the dopamine, we fix just one thing. We did not And there might be other systems involved that we have to work together too.
0: Okay, so a lot more research that we need to do. All right, Dennis from Kaneohe is on the line. Dennis, welcome to the Body Show.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks Uh, for being patient. uh, What can we do? Follow up
3: question on the dopamine cell replacement trials. I believe the Scripps Medical Center. We'll be conducting trials next year using pluripotent adult stem cells to generate uh, dopamine-producing neurons and injecting them into, I believe, eight volunteer patients. Do you have any update on that uh, trial coming up? Well, that's
0: a real interesting one, because you're talking about having a medical center, Scripps, I assume you're talking about in La Jolla, California, actually doing this trial. And as we talk about scientific research, part of what they're going to be doing over time is doing some of these clinical trials to see if there's an effect. Now, I'm not familiar with the trial at Scripps. I don't know, Dr. Panita, if you are. It looks like they're just in the beginning phases of starting to recruit people to
2: be part of this. Um. Personally, I don't know uh, in this particular trial. And um, based on what you said, it will still be in the dopamine cells. And uh, again, in um, early on that I uh, uh, mentioned. We mentioned there might be other systems. Yes. Yeah. And then if you just in, um, put put in the cell that produces dopamine, it's not really fixed much of anything. It's kind of more like a, at the end point. It's like a, you, you're giving a medicine. However, since I don't know this uh, particular sure. study in detail, I cannot say that it's not going to work. Uh, I need well, more and information. Well, that's the whole idea of a trial, sure, right? Is that part of what one of the things that I hope we're able to bring
0: and you mentioned in the future there will be some Parkinson's trials right here in Honolulu until then there's probably going to be a flurry of studies in the mainland that hopefully will come up with some useful results that can really help shine some light on the best way to treat Parkinson's for not just those who have it but also earlier identification and finding some other alternatives as far as treatment is concerned. All right so Dennis does that answer your question? Okay, I think so. All right, but thanks for bringing up the uh, the idea. I think it's an excellent excellent thought. And I'll take a look. I'll look it up. I'm really curious to know what they're doing over there in, in Scripps Clinic. Okay, we've got Ann on the phone from Lahaina. Ann, welcome to The Body Show. Aloha. Aloha. How are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Uh, I had a question. I have a cousin that when he was younger, he would be watching sports and things, and it would be like his arms would move like he was a part of it. But now, I mean, like 30 years later, he's older, and anytime he seems to get agitated, the arms will move or swing in the same manner without without being watching the sports or so forth. Is that something that should be really looked at?
0: Interesting. So when he was younger, he kind of moved his arms like the way the sports. Yeah, it people would be were. like if
3: you were watch. He was watching a boxing match. It would look like he was trying to make the moves of the boxer
0: did he but know now, he was doing it pardon did he know at that time he was doing that
3: i uh, yes and maybe no okay you know if you say something then he would be oh yeah but it was like he was trying to mimic the same moves so sure. it was kind of assumed now? But now like 30 years later aggravation if he's in a heated argument or anything the arm one of his arms will move the same way like he's just moving it uh, well i don't think he's aware of it now
0: interesting so it's sort of an involuntary reaction but only when he's angry or agitated not all the time
3: well sometimes it seems but more or less when he's agitated or angry
0: well i hope he doesn't get angry at you Oh no,
3: no, no! And and I don't mean that high level of of aggression either—anxiety or or anger. I mean just like slightly upset. Interesting.
0: And then his arm starts to move involuntarily. Right. That's kind of curious, Doctor Panita. You're shaking your head like, yeah, okay.
2: Yes. um, Actually, first of all, uh, I would like to know whether the shaking is uh, the the movement is only on one side—a left arm only, the right arm only, or sometimes switch. It's the right. Let me right arm only. Okay, so if it's a right arm only, then I want to ask you more too. That when he was born, uh, was he born um, without a complication?
3: Uh, actually, I don't think so. I don't. I, I, I really, I wasn't there back then, so I don't know if there was any complications or anything like that.
0: Well, I'm curious, Doctor Panita. You're you're heading in a direction. Why do you ask? Do you think there might have been some neurologic condition that occurred when he was born?
2: Yeah, especially something that strictly on one side of the body. Hmm. Uh it means that maybe something's going on in the brain. For example, if someone were born uh with the complication and caused a stroke uh hmm. or hypoxic injury um in the brain and maybe affecting one side of the basal ganglia and then later on it can de- uh, induce the movement disorders. So, it sounds like
0: and it's definitely something to get checked that he could get checked out. There might be something that could be identified and potentially there could be something that might not help this particular problem,
2: but could prevent any more. Actually, the treat we can, although we may not be able to, to cure, there is medicine that we can control that movement. If it happens. More regularly, I would assume. Right, but it sounds okay. like it's, more, uh, it's very regular. Um, and Yeah, like, it
0: sounds like it sound might regular. be. So, all right, Anna, there might be some things that you can do to help your brother. Always looking out for him. Good for, good for him to have such a great sister. All right, but thanks for calling because that's an interesting
2: thing. So medicines could treat that sort of... That's Extra why.
0: movement. Right.
2: So first of all, just refer to me and then we'll take a look at him and then take care of from there. Decide and go from there. All right. Okay. We have
0: time for one last quick caller, John from Kauai. You've been so nice and patient. What can we do for well, you today? Hello, John. I
6: appreciate you taking my call. And uh, I've been waiting patiently because I have lots of, unfortunately, lots of uh, issues, lots of questions. After um, many years of uh, REM sleep, uh, REM sleep behavior disorder, um, I've had other symptoms that are are growing and getting more pronounced. Uh, Finally, my medical team here on Kauai kind of said, well, we're pretty sure it's Lewy body dementia. Um, My my first question is regarding uh, neuroplasticity. Uh, To minimize the cognitive loss, um, is there anything that you could recommend or that you know of that um, use it or lose it is what the, the common term is, I think?
0: Okay. uh, Well, why don't you tell us that and one other part of your question, because, you know, surprisingly, we are like two or three minutes away from the show being over. So we'll actually uh, comment on neuroplasticity. Was there another question that you wanted to make sure we got to?
6: um, No, that would be the the one that's most important to me. That's the main
0: one. Good. Well, let's make sure we cover that. I want to cover it adequately. So since you took the time to call neuroplasticity, Dr. Panita. What is neuroplasticity, and is it something that can actually help someone diagnose with Lewy body disease?
2: Yes. So uh, the term neuroplasticity, we use it for, um, um, as you know, that when we have the brain cells and when the brain cells die, um, some, some type of cell cannot uh growing or coming back. And neuroplasticity um, can be divided in two ways. One, the cells that can produce uh, regenerate itself, Uh, Or another one is that uh, we don't have to generate a new cells, but the pathway that we had the problem, sometimes with uh, exercise, with the um, uh, training, sometimes it can retrain part of the brain to help us move better or walk better.
0: So kind of have another pathway take over the job of that neuron that's not working and kind of develop these little, they're dendritic connections. They're kind of like little spider-like projections from one nerve to another. So it's kind of like bypass around a clogged
2: H1. That's right. That's right. Okay. And that it's possible and it can be done. Um, Right now, we don't know exactly if we can do it. However, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show um, about the mice model that uh, we induced them to be uh, Parkinsonian, and we separate the mice into two arms: Uh, one do nothing, and then another one uh, exercise regularly uh, on the treadmill. It showed that the
0: mice on a treadmill. That's right. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I should be joining the mice.
2: Right. And uh, the group that uh, exercised regularly. Um, show the slower progression. And when after they sacrifice the mice, it shows that there is a, a neurotrophic factor, which is the hormone in the brain, that a higher level in, in the mice that exercise. And basically, the neurotrophic factor basically is nurturing the brain, repairing, trying to help the brain healthy. So to answer is to exercise. Exercise. I feel like
0: every show we wind up just shaming me into going to the gym or something. Exercise helps everything. Well, I can't believe the hour is up already. We will have Mm -hmm. to have you back again because clearly there's a huge need in the community to hear more about some of the neurologic conditions and certainly on the neighbor islands as well. So I'm hoping that uh, poor John will have an opportunity to come and maybe take advantage of, of having an opportunity to see you. Now, Dr. Panina, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Mention that you are at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and they can be reached at 261-4476, or also you can look them up on the website. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org and follow the links to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Had a fun week. We're going to have to have you back. And we'll see you next week on Monday, right here, Monday at 5.